Yeah. Man, it has been a great, great weekend. Students, hasn't it been a good weekend? Yeah. We, man, I don't know about you guys. Like Pastor Paul said, I'm running on fumes. I had one cup of coffee, and I really don't ever need that. But I'm going to take the most incredible nap this afternoon. And I'm telling you, are you with me, students? Nap time, all right? I'm going to get some lunch, and I'm going to take a nap. I, and I'm not just like, oh, snoozing for a 30-minute power nap. I'm talking about the one where you are like, sawing logs, got drool all down your mouth, someone's coming to shake you, and, and you're just like, you're just totally out of it, because it has been an unbelievable weekend that God has just shown up in our lives, has done amazing things. There's just something special. I really do think that you see Jesus throughout the Bible who goes off to the mountain, and, and then there's these awesome times of celebration, and, and this weekend is just a great weekend in um, student ministry and for our church, a time to celebrate. And I want you to know that these students right here, we are so blessed because they, they are great students. And um, yeah, give it up. We got great, great students. And uh, it, it's just amazing. As you saw in the video, I kind of wanted to kind of recap a little bit because you, you might have missed out. Uh, luckily, this year, uh, from some hard work from our tech team, we're able to live stream our sessions. So some of you parents, you were able to, to kind of view and see like, uh-oh, what are they doing now? Um, but I want to show you just a few pictures so you kind of know what's going on and all that stuff. And the, the first picture, you might have seen this in the video, was this was a game that we called Mattress Madness. And that's William Caskey up there. Um, his granddad, Gerald's real proud. Woo-woo, all right? Um, and what they had to do was get on this twin mattress and you probably have heard of like crowd surfing, all right? Uh, this is like mattress surfing. He gets on there and the whole crowd of the apex had to carry him all the way across um, and we timed him. Uh, I will say as a disclaimer, once it was Caroline Roller's turn to do that, um, uh, all, all, the, all the guys kind of held up Carolina and Caroline's mattress and so they cheated, all right? I'm just gonna throw that out there. You cheated. Cheat in church. You should be ashamed. No, just kidding. Ah, uh, there's grace. There's grace. Uh, so we had that game. Then you also saw this other game that we called Japanese fishing. Um, and they got in these inflatable sumo suits. And using only their feet, they had to, in a bowl of whipped cream, were uh, numerous Swedish fish. Do you know what I'm talking about? And they had to, only using their toes, had to dig out the Swedish fish. I dared the students to lick the toes of the contestants afterwards, but no, no takers. That's pretty gross. I wouldn't do that anyways. You get E. coli or athlete's foot in the mouth. That's weird. Um, so we, we did that, but I will say all those things are incredible. We had a good time and some fun, but here's the heart of this weekend is taking incredible leaders and letting them sit down in groups of, of eight, nine, ten students and, and it's really applying what Tripp, our speaker, talked about as we dug into it, uh, God's Word. And this is sit around as a group of guys and a group of girls and just, just share, just have life and talk about what God is doing as we're processing. It's a lot to take in um, in a short amount of time. But let me just tell you, um, those, those conversations that, take, have, that took place, I told this to the first service, that sure, there are a few conversations over a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but... Those conversations will continue for weeks and years to come. That some of the conversations that took place, like, hey, there's, there's relationships built with the leaders among the students. 
And it, it's, just a, it's just an amazing, amazing time. And it's kind of hit time out of all the craziness, get along, uh, get in a group of people, and just share what God's doing on your heart. And it's amazing that in that short amount of time, how God shows up during that. And then um, we also, you, you saw the video where we went to the thrift store. So part of their activity yesterday was to go to several thrift stores and buy 1980s attire, all right? Some of you, I could have sent them to your closet. It's all good. Um, but we sent them to the thrift store, and they had to take their uh, 80s attire, hot pink, you know, think Van Halen, I guess. Um, and they had to film a music video, so we had a little contest. And the winners of that, I treated Dairy Queen um, and treated myself. Amen? All right? <laughs> That blizzard was awesome, I will say. And, um, but they had to wear it to the, the roller sports skating rink right here down the street. So as you can imagine, when you roll up into roller sports, and uh, middle school was from 2 to 3.30, and high school was from 3.30 to 5, and you are all dressed up in your 80s attire, you get some looks. But I will say, people were judging me, because let me show you what, what I wore. Um, yes. <laughs> Yes, all right. Um, you know what's crazy about this picture is, yes, that's a wig and a bandana, and I don't even know what kind of mustache that's called. Um, some of you had that haircut. Some of y'all sported that in the 80s, and um, don't do it. It's not coming back, all right? It is not coming back because let me tell you, I, I went to the skating rink, and everybody's like, who is this guy? And moms and dads are like, come here, son. Come here. Come here. <laughs> Uh, don't go anywhere near him, stranger danger. It, it was, so eventually my mustache fell off, and guess what, it was still awkward. And um, it, was, it was still weird, but we had a great, great time, didn't we? I mean, it was just awesome, uh, great weekend. We're all going to nap, full of energy, and just thankful for what God did. And, you know, in the midst of preparing for a weekend like this, uh, it, it is crazy, I will say. It, it can be stressful at times because you're trying to figure out homing assignments and host homes and some people get sick and so they back out or whatever. And it's totally fine. That stuff kind of happens. And anything that Satan kind of just wants to throw and disrupt you off your game. And so it can be kind of crazy. And so in the middle of the week, the students already know this. They, they saw this yesterday morning. So I wanted to share it with you. Is that in the middle of all that craziness, Paul is like, hey, can, can you come see me in my office? I, I've been, I'm working through some message stuff. And I, I need your input. I got a really important question to ask you. So anyway, Alex, our uh, videographer, was there. And I was like, come on, you know, it's not every day that you get called to the pastor office. So let's go. Let's have this conversation. I want to get this on footage. Paul is asking me for my opinion. So I was like, I'm getting this on film. And so we have some of that footage. Y'all want to see that? Is that good? All right. Let, let, let's, let's, let's roll that footage. Hey, what's up, man? You, you want to see me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on in. Come on okay. in. Have a seat. All right. Hey, here's a question for you. What, I've been thinking about this, what is the best way to study the Bible? Um, I don't, I don't know. You don't know? Yeah, All I right, don't know. Yeah. You Luke into it. Oh, that's, that's funny. Well, of course, wait, wait a sec. That's what you say when you don't think it's funny. What I said, that's funny. Um, 
Well, if it's funny, at least muster up a little kind of, you know, <laughs> that's, that's good, Pastor. That's, a, that's well, all right. That, that's, that's not really my style, Paul. Um, I'm more of a... <laughs> well, I'm more of a... <laughs> Or how about a... <laughs> you Luke, you Luke into it? <laughs> you Luke into it? <laughs> but sometimes I'm like... <laughs> is such a great sport and supports our student ministry and uh, well, it, it's good to laugh this morning. I know uh, it, it's crazy and wake us up and we had good, good time. Um, my cheeks are hurting right now. <laughs> my cheeks are hurting. I go from like crying one minute down here being led in the Holy Spirit. Now I'm just, I'm full of joy. It's laughter. Uh, but it was just, it, it was an incredible weekend and I will say this, not to make this like a Grammy Award, Academy Award winning thing, but it takes, it takes an army to make this weekend uh, what it is. And um, when you have 170 or so students, um, it takes a lot of people. And I want to publicly just recognize the 60 or so leaders that, that took time away from jobs and families and all that stuff. Yeah. It, uh, it, it is an amazing, amazing thing, but also I want to, because uh, these people are crazy too, is the uh, 23, we had 23 host homes. So they invited, yeah. It's so, here, here, here's what cra what's crazy, I didn't ask for permission, but it's okay, um, I'll ask for forgiveness later. Um, we, we had uh, a home that wasn't able, they weren't able to go because of some sickness, and that's cool, that stuff happens. And so uh, Gary and Jessica Sullivan on Friday night, okay, so we're here and we're like, we got to send people home and um, we couldn't go to a house because of some sickness and that's fine. 
And so Gary's like, he's like, he said, uh, they can, those girls can come to our house. He had t- like 21 sixth grade girls in their house. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that is, that is crazy. And um, I, think, I think he said on Saturday morning they made three dozen eggs. <laughs> so um, that's crazy. So after church, we're not going to lunch. Um, we're all going to go over to Sullivan's and clean their house. So... <laughs> If you could bring some cleaning supplies, that'd be great. Jessica would appreciate that. Um, but, but it's awesome. And um, also, I just want to throw this out there, is our life groups from all services, all generations, provided 121 side dishes yesterday. So thank you for the food. Thank you, right? Uh, it was so good. And uh, I've never seen so much coleslaw and baked beans in my life. Um, and I, I took full advantage of the desserts. Amen. All right. Uh, I took full advantage of that, but I also want to say, and I know, and then we'll dig into God's word. I just, I want to show appreciation, um, for this is, uh, the deacons of this church and, and the students might not even know this, but the deacons of this church provided almost 40, I don't know the exact number, almost 40 completely paid scholarships for students to attend this weekend. And so it gave us the opportunity as a church to say, hey, you wanna come? Hey, invite your friends, don't let money be an issue. And so thank you deacons for sacrificially giving, absolutely. And, and this is the last one, I promise. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this and she would hate for me to say this, but uh, my assistant Diana has been out because she, praise the Lord, um, had a baby and a sweet little May is so awesome. And so I just wanted to publicly thank, because they, it took two people to fill her shoes, um, Randy Gay and then my wife Sloan. Uh, they had a lot of hard work, so thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, um, you know, as we kind of went through this weekend and, you know, we have really three sessions, uh, trip. Our, um, our speaker for the weekend, he used to be a student pastor at uh, First Baptist Columbia uh, for 10 years and is now in North Georgia. But he really kind of took us on this journey of what it looked like um, really to encounter God. And he, he, on Friday night, really hit on this message of Peter, if you remember this, where Jesus, he comes and Peter is this fisherman and really Peter encounters God and has a new identity. He finds this new identity that he's no longer just a fisherman, but now he's a fisher of men. You remember this story, all right? And so he kind of said, hey, when we find Jesus, our identity changes. And then Saturday morning, really, he kind of hits on the story of Lazarus coming forth and how Jesus gives life to things that are dead. I love the quote that he said. He said, nothing is ever too dead for Jesus, (laughs) It's never too, Jesus is the giver of life, and what a great story that is. And then last night, really just proclaiming the the, uh, new purpose, that with our new identity and our new life comes a new purpose, looking at the great commission of how Jesus said, go and make disciples, and really shared an awesome story of uh, uh, a martyr. And so today, I just kind of want to take all of that, hopefully kind of put some kind of bow on it as we look at a passage of Scripture in Luke 15. So if you have your Bibles or your apps, um, if you don't have a Bible, there's one um, in front of you on the pew rack that you can look at. 
But in my opinion, this passage of scripture in Luke 15 is central to everything that Jesus is. And as short as it is, and, and really five verses, God does something amazing through this story to represent the very mission of Jesus. So, okay, Jesus gives us a new identity, a new life, a new purpose. What, what exactly does that mean right now in the midst of all of our craziness uh, as a parent, as a student, um, as maybe an empty nester, maybe you're stressed at your job. What does it mean um, to us? And, and I really believe, now this is my opinion, that if you study the book of Luke, there's a lot of great things. But these five verses are central to the message that Luke is, is, is um, trying to communicate to the readers. And Luke, if you didn't know, he was a physician, so he's very detail-oriented, and he writes this not as an eyewitness. He's really a second generation of the early church. And so he's, he's heard these stories, and as a physician, he's going around getting eyewitness accounts of what has happened to articulate in writing um, for us. And there's this great parable, this story that Jesus tells in Luke 15. And so let's start here, and we're going to kind of break this down. Um, because my reading comprehension stinks, and let's just kind of journey through this. So in verse 1 of chapter 15, it says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Now let's pause. So at this point, Jesus is starting to do ministry, and he's healing people, and the word's getting out. He's becoming popular. People are starting to say, okay, who, who is this guy? And here we have the tax collectors and sinners. And if you're new to Bible study, they are the outcasts. They are the low of the low. But here they are leaning hard into Jesus, wanting to hear what he has to say uh, because he has this reputation, this popularity. And so they're hearing about Jesus and they come to him and it says they're drawing near to him to hear him. They want something. Because these tax collectors, these, these sinners are people like prostitutes, people like lepers with skin diseases that you can't touch because they're contagious. Then you have tax collectors who at any given moment can really rob you of money and over, overtax you, overfine you because they're going to have to, they got to give um, the tax to the government but then whatever they make off of that, they can help support their family. So they were just frowned upon. But they are gathered there following and wanting to engage with what Jesus is saying. Now, listen to, to what happens on the complete opposite side of this. So you have the outcasts, the tax collectors and sinners leaning in and saying, all right, Jesus, what do you have for us? On the flip side, we read in verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So you have the religious leaders of the day who are grumbling. They, they don't understand it fully. And so you have this stark contrast of sinners, the outcast, the low of the low who are following Jesus want to hear a message of hope and of life because they're down and out. 
But then you have to remember that for generation after generation after generation, the people have put their hope in, in the, what the prophets have said that a Savior is coming. A Messiah is coming that will save the world, that will overturn the government and do amazing things and save his people. And so in, in their minds, they have this expectation of what that's going to look like. And, and I, I would dare to think that as they see this, and you look all throughout the Gospels, that what Jesus has to offer doesn't line up with their expectations. They're thinking, okay, the Messiah of the world, the Son of God, he's not going to hang out with tax collectors and sinners. He's going to kind of put himself, I mean, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to dine with prostitutes? No way. That doesn't make any sense. And so they're grumbling. They're like, there, there's, no, there's no way. This guy is going to eat with sinners and tax collectors? So Jesus continues with what I think is such an amazing parable. And I hope that in the next five, ten minutes that you can just grasp onto this as you leave here this morning and apply it to your life. Because this is what Jesus says. It says in verse 3, so he told them this parable. It's an illustration. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together all of his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, celebrate with me. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So just so, listen to how he bookends this. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So Jesus tells this story in a culture that is full of shepherds. That's a very popular career of the time. He shares this illustration with the sinners and the tax collectors, the Pharisees and the scribes that are gathered there and says, listen, the shepherd, he leaves behind the 99 and goes after the one that is lost. And he tells this story because he says, there's going to be more joy in heaven over one person who understands, I need the grace of God. I need forgiveness. I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going. I'm all over the place. That one person, will, there'll be more joy in heaven over that person than the 99 over here who are righteous in their own eyes and feel like they don't need that repentance. Maybe it's by the good things we do or the things that we say or church attendance or the way they give money, whatever that is, that it's not just that. It says, hey, the repentance that is only found in the grace of Jesus. So he gives this illustration. What you don't see in this illustration is Jesus saying, listen, there was a shepherd. He had these 99 sheep, and he really wanted to protect. I mean, that's the mass majority of his, she um, his she sheepherd. I don't know what word I'm using, but of his herd. There you go. See, I told you. 
Three hours of sleep. Thank you. All right, that was from a cup of coffee. So he, he has this herd, and what you don't see is him say, I need to protect these nine and nine. Forget the one. Go after that. You, you also don't see him say, okay, let's, let me think. While I protect the 99, let me see how I can get the one. Maybe I'll just, I'll just call that one sheep by name really loud, and she'll come on home. Let's, let's call the sheep Bertha. Does that, does that sound good? Yes, no? You don't like that? All right, let's say Bertha. All right, so you don't see the shepherd saying, Bertha! Hey, Bertha, you need to come home. I don't know where you're at. Come home. And then hoping that Bertha finds her way back home. What you also don't see is the shepherd saying, okay, that didn't work. Calling her by name and yelling for her because she was lost. She'll just come back home. You didn't see that. You don't, you, so let me think here. That didn't work. So you know what? I'm going to get the best feeding trough with the best food. It's going to be awesome. It's like going to be like an eighth grade party with pizza. It's going to be demolished, all right? And so I'll just set that up. She, the, the sheep, Bertha, will smell the aroma, kind of like the cartoons, you know, with like the pie out the window, and it's like, oh, all right. And, and she'll just come on home. You don't see that. But what you do see is you see an intentionality of the shepherd that says these 99 can take care of themselves and I'm going to go after the one lost sheep. And here's what's so amazing about this story is the shepherd intentionally goes after the one sheep and it doesn't say, hey, you, you get back to the herd. You're lost. You need, you, don't do it. You, you don't ever do that again. Naughty, naughty sheep. You don't see that. You see the shepherd probably after a long journey, it's frantic. Have you ever lost something that's really important and try to find it? Like, I, I am notorious for losing my keys. Ask my wife, all right? I will lose my keys. And every time I lose my keys, it never fails. That It's because I'm in a hurry. You with me? <laughs> I'm like, where's my keys? Oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm going to be five minutes. I'm already five minutes late, and I'm going to be late. Oh, my goodness. What am I going to do? I'm trying to find my keys. Frantically, Trip, our speaker, um, his car's in the shop, and he had a rental car. And he thought he couldn't find his keys last night at like 830, and he had to drive back to Atlanta. And he's like, where's my keys? Where's my keys? I think I accidentally threw them in the trash. And all the trash had been emptied into the dumpster. Can you imagine that? Like, hey, weekend speaker, let's go look in the dumpster of all the trash from this weekend. It'd be awesome. Sounds like a sermon illustration. Um, and luckily he found it. But as you can imagine, it's frantic. So this shepherd, he's frantically looking for this one sheep. And when he finds the sheep, he doesn't just say, with, you know, condemnation. Hey, will you never do that again? You know what he does? Full of grace and intentionality and love. It says that he picks that sheep up and lays it on his shoulders, knowing that that sheep is probably weak and vulnerable. He picks it up. It doesn't just end there. When he comes home, he gathers all of his friends and all of his family and celebrates that they have now found the lost sheep. Some people will probably like, well, this guy's crazy. This is a sheep. <laughs> Man, all right? What's going on here? But he is so excited that he found the one sheep. And you know what I think that the American church sometimes that we're guilty of is not having that same intentionality of going after the lost sheep. We're more comfortable staying with the 99 
Track with me with this analogy. That we'll stay with this 99, and we want to make sure all the 99, that they're being fed, that all their preferences are met, that everything is great and grand, and be like, okay. So we take the focus off the lost person, and we, and we put it all within the walls of the church. And before we know it, we have this huge, um, I don't know, holy huddle, if you will, of believers, which is, that, okay, that's great. I'm not saying, everybody just go, we're shutting down the church. Okay, I'm not saying that. It's great. But the very mission of Jesus was not his last words to the disciples, was not, hey, have a church service, keep it in-house, don't tell anybody. What did he say? He said, go, go, I'm sending you out. You see in the Gospels that he's starting to send them out, sends the disciples out. That's how the early church started. You see Paul and his missionary journeys, because he was being sent out, he went. And so here you have this intentionality of a shepherd, and our churches in America are saying, hey, it's this culture of come into our building, come into our building, which is great. We want people here. We want programs, and we want things that say, hey, we're going to equip you to disciple you in your relationship with Jesus. Not for program's sake, but for Jesus' sake. We want you to be discipled, but there's, an, a, there's a balance that it can't just be Come and, come and see, come and see. It has to be that when we gather here on Sundays, that tomorrow morning when we're going to our jobs or even today at lunch with your family, moms and dads, that it is an opportunity for you to go and make disciples. Students, when you go to church or school tomorrow, your campus, your school, Eastside, Greer, the charter schools, I mean, Blue Ridge, whatever, name it, okay? Northwood, what, that is your mission field. As adults, our jobs and our families, our coworkers, to go and to be intentional because they, there's a lost sheep out there. And we have to be like the shepherd who goes out with the intentionality to get the lost sheep and rejoice and carry them to the feet of Jesus, back to the family to say, listen, here is hope, here is joy, and we're going to celebrate in that. Not to say, right here, it's going to stay right in the house. All right, look, Jesus, through the Gospels, he goes to the one, the man that was born blind. Jesus goes, he spits in the mud, Make, or in the dirt, makes some mud, wipes it on the man's eyes, and now, even though he was born blind, now the blind can see. He goes to the paralyzed man who's lame, and he, he, he heals him so he can walk. He goes to the Samaritan woman who's living a, a, a life of adultery, and he heals her and says, go. And he, he brings dead people to life like Lazarus. It's one-on-one. -on -one. It's this intentionality where he's going after people and saying, let me show you hope. And then here we are on Palm Sunday where Jesus humbled himself riding on a donkey into Jerusalem to really be intentional with you and with me. To say, I'm coming for you. You are the lost sheep. And here's what I do know is that Jesus, as he rides in, 
knowing fully that on Friday he would be crucified for our sins. What I do know is that Jesus went through hell so you don't have to go to hell. And he also went through hell so other people don't have to go to hell. And that's an awesome thing. Who are we to keep it inside here when there's people dying and going to hell every single day? We can all agree our world's jacked up. It's a, it's a mess. I mean, just turn on the news when you get home. Everybody's dying, being shot. It's just, ama- it's, just, it's just amazing how crazy our world has gotten. But it's a sin problem. And people need Jesus. And we need to be the voice. We need to be the shepherd that goes out and points them to Jesus. Jesus' very mission in Luke 19.10 says that he came to seek and save the lost. That's it, period. To seek and save the lost. Not to entertain, not to meet everyone's preferences, not to just be some kind of social thing. To seek and save the lost. And so my question to you this morning in closing, as that is Jesus' heartbeat, that is his mission. And as students, we have talked this weekend about life and, and purpose and all of those things. It would be wrong for us just to say, oh, that was a great weekend. We got to ride on mattresses and dress up ridiculously and go roller skating. But for us, if you are a believer and follower of Jesus, it's our responsibility to go, to go. That looks different for all of us, and that doesn't mean that you have to go to Africa and live there for the rest of your life as a missionary. For some of you, it might mean that. But like I said, to go is to disciple your kids, moms, dads. Some of you need to start discipling your kids. At least pray with them. Read them stories. Some of you, you know that coworker, that neighbor, you never know when their time will be. Is this what I do? I, I didn't do this in the first service, so it's okay, Paul. But I know this is a little unorthodox, and it's okay. We'll do this, and then we'll have a time of response, and the, the band will lead us in a closing song. But if you're here this morning, and you're ready to commit to say, you know what? I'm ready to be intentional. There's lost people who need Jesus. There are sheep that are looking for where to go, and I want to go after that sheep. I want to go after that sheep and pick up the weak and the vulnerable, put it on my shoulders, and bring it to a relationship with Jesus. If that's you this morning, I just want to ask you to stand. Because that, that is a bold commitment, all right? And we're not going to do anything embarrassing. You might be thinking, this is weird. What are you doing? We're not going to do anything embarrassing. But I think until we're a church that says we're going after the lost, we'll be in a system where the state convention of South Carolina did this study, um, a couple different things, and it, it did a study that 30% of churches in our state will baptize no one this year. They also did a survey to ask churches, hey, what are some things as a convention that we can help with? And that, like, I think like the number one, two, and three were something along the lines of like finances and strategic planning, 
maybe how to get out of debt, stuff like that. You know what was at the very bottom of the list? Evangelism. To tell people about the hope of Jesus. They felt like they didn't need any help with that. If that was the case, churches all over America are closing their doors. They're no longer incredible churches. They're museums of what once was. And that's because as a church, we need to stand up. And if you can't stand up in a building, uh, a church building, and say, man, I'm going to go after the lost sheep, then when will you stand? So I'm just going to do this real quick. I'm going to say one, two, three, and we can stand. Is that easy enough? All right. If you are here and you're saying, I'm ready, I'm ready to do that, um, just stand up. One, two, three. Now, now look, look at this room full of people that says, I'm, I want to be intentional. There's power in that. There is so much power and unity in those things that as a church that we can go after and change the world. Students, you can change the world. Adults, you can change the world. Let me pray for us. And if you, I just want to say this as the band comes up, if you're here this morning, maybe you feel like you're a lost sheep. You just need to talk to somebody. I don't know what this thing about Jesus is. I have some questions. I have some doubts. That's okay. We want you to talk to somebody so we can pray for you. If you'd like to join our church or maybe take a step of obedience in baptism, please come and talk. I'll be down front. Paul will be down front. We want to celebrate just as Jesus in this illustration shares with this shepherd who carries the lost. It's all about Jesus. This weekend, fun and games, it's all about Jesus. It would be in vain if tomorrow morning everything was the same. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for the intentionality of sending your son Jesus for us. But it didn't just stop there. God, you sent your son Jesus for those, for the lost sheep outside the walls of this place, in our workplaces, in neighborhoods, in our schools. So God, I pray that we can have the intentionality to say, let's go and let's get people who don't know you, who are weary, put them on our shoulders and bring them to you so that they can experience the hope and, and the life transformation that you provide. God, you're so incredible that even Jesus, as he rode in on that donkey, knowing that he was about to be crucified, he had every single one of our names on his mind. And God, he went through hell so we don't have to. And so God, I pray that we can carry that message to the ends of the earth and that you use us in a way that can only be explained by your spirit because we want the lost to be found. We want the lame to walk. We want the dead to come alive because God, you reign. You are in control. In your son's name, amen. Let's continue in worship. Today, as you've heard from God's word, if you've never received Christ, if you feel like you're that lost one, you can come forward and receive Christ today. Today can be the day of salvation for you. Come and speak with our pastor down front or with Dustin. We have counselors as well. If you want to say, hey, I want to be a part of this church that is going out to find the lost, you can come and join the church during this time.
Also, next week on Easter, we're going to be celebrating baptism. If you've never been baptized and you want to follow Christ in baptism, come forward during this song of response today. And may we be a part of Jesus' mission, finding the lost.